Hey, this is Robert Gowan, and you're listening to the Mentors for Military podcast. We're going to start a new show that we're going to be calling In the Strategy Room, and today we're going to be talking about communication barriers as our topic. So joining me on the show is Rudy Lindsay and Scott Kinder. Welcome, guys. Hey, Robert. What's going on? Not much, not much guys. Uh, one of the things that we uh, this topic is really around, and I think we've probably either all of ex- all experienced it, or we know a lot of people that have, and that is uh, the communication barrier, both from uh, the person coming off active duty that's going into the private sector, as well as um, private sector companies and how they view the military, um, you know, coming off active duty. And of course, the resume is usually the initial piece of that. And a lot of, uh, you know, active duty military end up putting acronyms and everything else on there. But I think it goes far beyond that, guys. I think it really comes down to, um, you know, there's a barrier definitely that's there on both sides. And maybe some of it's got to do with um, the, the pers- you know, perspective of the private sector of how they view the military. You know, I mean, you know, the movies that are out there, everything else kind of put a portrayal that's there. Well, I think there's a stereotype and a, and a fear of... Uh, uh, among one, but uh, definitely within the private sector. I mean, I've I've run into it myself, where you know you're you're interacting with someone and and they have a they have a a preference of of you know what you're about and what you're the type of person you are, and they don't really know you yet. Um, and that's something that um, both I think both sides have to work really hard towards to overcome. You know, the uh, on behalf of the uh, of the uh, Military member, uh, he he has to be able to articulate in a way that uh, someone can understand what he and, and vice versa. The potential employer or or business partner or or um, you know future boss needs to to understand. Hey, this guy, this guy is a, a person, so you know talk to him normally and, and try to understand where he's coming from. No, I, I agree. I think it's expectation management on both sides, and then. For the transitioning veteran, is, is really kind of knowing the operational environment and knowing how to sell yourself and utilize the networks that you're trying to establish and, and get the right job and be the right fit. Yeah, certainly. Absolutely. Yeah, I, you know, I think that, um, you know, a lot of guys coming off or gals, you know, a lot of folks coming off active duty, they're looking at the um, the private sector jobs out there, they're not really sure um, how their job might fit into it. So they're very comfortable with, you know, we, we all talked about it and joked about how we use language like HUA and, and those types of things as we're having our conversations and um, probably a lot of color uh, in the way we talk as well, um, which is not really acceptable or known uh, within the private sector. So it's always good that, um, first off, they, they know how to properly communicate um, and do that in a way with other people, I think is a great way to do it. Like we were talking about with Mark so that, you know, if you start having a conversation and somebody doesn't know what you're talking about automatically, that means you need to change your course of communication. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, well, that, that goes back to, that goes back to what I was saying. You have to, it, I think it's that responsibility lies on both, on both parties. Uh, you know, you're, but but you fool it that uh, you know you're gonna be able to communicate with everyone uh, coming out of the military, and you're and you're using the the 900 million different acronyms that uh, we use within the military. Everybody and that you know. 
Yeah, I think uh, I think there's an also another thing too, though, and that's you know I know it. There's a lot that's being placed on the veteran, but I think as well with the private sector, there's not really a handbook that they can grab and go, okay, you know, I think I think I understand what that person's saying, or I understand what that job is, and I mean, you know, I, I can give you an example that. Um, not always are engineers classified as engineers or mechanics as mechanics or um, mm-hmm. people who have worked in administrative responsibilities even uh, translates to the private sector because they don't <clears throat> quite understand. And another one would be like information technology uh, as well. So um, a lot of times they just don't understand um, what it is that they did and not understanding what the military is all about um, is, is the first part of it. So, I th- to your point, Rudy, I think it really goes to the military person has to start uh, the conversation uh, and by portraying themselves in a way that it, they look more marketable. Uh, they're not trying to create barriers and um, they're making sure that they're using conversation um, in a document that puts that right foot forward. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, you know, they taught us too while in the military when you're the first time you ever use an, an acronym for the first time, you got to spell it out in length. Um, same thing with you when you're communicating verbally, you know, you, you need to explain that. And, and if I, I would recommend that you try to avoid acronyms. Yeah, they, they shorten uh, they shorten uh, technical words. Um, sometimes they have their own definitions and own meanings. But if you don't have to use it, uh, don't use it, you know. Yeah, you know, and I worked in a big organization uh, that I left from that um, – you know, they, they had a program where there were veterans that worked together. I think Judy talked about that during her podcast where they um, talked about barriers, talked about ways in which uh, military come uh, bringing in different values or, um, you know, elements that could really help an organization. Um, but I think the challenge is um, even though that there are programs out there that perhaps uh, support our human resources and, um, you know, society of human resources are starting to get a lot better about uh, understanding the military. I think we're still there's still a gap uh, that that exists out there. Um, and, and again, I think it falls on the shoulders of a lot of military folks to to begin doing that. So, one of the things I think that's really helpful is that um, you know when when a person's structuring their resume, they, they really need to start thinking about. Um, eliminating or removing as many uh, things within the application or within the resume that would make them seem different or set them apart in some ways from uh, the private sector. Now, that's not to take away from their military experience, mind you. I'm not trying to say that they should be different in that way, but I'm saying they should find a way to show and demonstrate how they're going to add just as much value to that private sector company. I think that's a valid point that Far too often we like to highlight our differences because we think that makes us more marketable. But the the other side of the coin is that it, oftentimes to a prospective employer, it doesn't make you more marketable. It makes you seem like you're not going to be a good fit for the overall corporate hierarchy or the team. So, you know, sometimes you got to translate and, and just make yourself look like you're part of the team so that you can be integrated and then show your differences once you're once you're there. Yeah, you know, I think I mentioned this in the book, but I also watched it on a, uh, you know, on a video and everything where someone was giving um, advice to a military person about, hey, you know, I know you were uh, in information technology, you you know, you need to highlight that you've got 10 years or 12 years of uh, that type of experience. And, um, you know, uh, and, and I it looks like you've got a, uh, you know, a purple heart. So you want to put the purple heart at the top of the uh, the resume and you want to 
you know, you want to demonstrate that you uh, you did when you served over in Afghanistan manage uh, you know twenty five non combatants uh, in um, you know X month of period, and that has nothing to do with information technology. Now sure. all of a sudden you're creating that divide um, that it's going to cause that barrier. And again, when when you have a hiring manager or recruiter or an HR representative that is only taking anywhere from three to ten seconds to look at your resume, that's mm-hmm. your best foot forward right there. You know, so it's going to be really important that you you do what we're talking about here. You know, yeah. Well, you need to be deliberate. You need to be succinct. You need to get straight to the point. Um, not a lot of not a lot of uh, ooh, look at me. Uh, you know, I've I've got two purple hearts and uh, however many medals and and this and that. None of that matters. You know, that's uh, those are you can. We have to learn to extract what's important from those medals and not to take anything away from anyone's uh, you know, service or what they've done, but not everyone sees it the same way. And we have to be able to take – we have to learn to take those experiences and translate them and communicate them in a way that someone who hasn't been in those same situations can understand. You know, just like you touched on, Robert, with, with regards to, to managing the, uh, the not, you know, 25 non-combatants at a time. You know, being able to rephrase that or communicate that in a way that uh, an HR person or a potential employer can understand is is what they need to be focused on, not not the fact that you manage twenty five non combatants. You know, so uh, I absolutely agree. I think that you know, like, like you said earlier, Rudy, that when you're communicating, there's there's three channels of communication, right? So you you can't mm-hmm. just rely on your previous historical knowledge and expect that translation just to to occur automatically. I mean, you know, a great example, right? Everybody, especially in Australia, you know, they they don't care that I'm a Green Beret or what they call a Commando or whatever. They they hear mm-hmm. Airborne School and and they're like, oh wow, you graduated Airborne School, and I was like, yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's the highlight of my career, you know. So the, the misperceptions are alive and well. And, you know, I would never lead a resume at Airborne School. And yet I've had a thousand conversations about jumping out of planes, you know. Um, it, it's You never know what that other side wants to hear. Sure. And, and starting off with the military stuff, I, I think that learning how to communicate to them and show them that you're in sync with their capabilities and that you deserve to earn a paycheck from that corporation or that entity that's really the, the key point that, that you're speaking on their terms. And then, like I said earlier, later on, you can translate and show how cool you are or how different you were. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I, uh, I mentioned this uh, in the book as well about life sciences to give an example. Not that just military to the private sector, but something, let's say, is life sciences. I came from a biotech, biopharmaceutical um, area whenever I got out of the, uh, the military. And I, I stuck with a life sciences kind of um, – you know, career path and went into um, health insurance. And um, it is still dealing with life, whether it's creating enabling tools that go into the, you know, the drugs and the pharmacy that goes out to the uh, general public. Um, I was working on the pharmacy side of that and and saw both uh, areas of it. But I can tell you, one does not know how to communicate with the other. Um, They don't know all the terminologies. They don't understand, you know, what it takes a lot of times to go into the product. And so there's a communication barrier that exists between two very similar types of, um, you know, industries that work together and harness, you know, that um, to get it out to the private sector, whether you're creating yeah. the the tools that go into the drugs, and then you're taking the drugs and trying to you know produce it so that you can give it out to the general public. And um, so, I mean, that 
Um, you know, if there's that, then then you know that there's going to be those same type of commonalities that's going to be out there between the military and the private sector for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Robert, I got a great story that ties in directly with that. Uh, you know, uh, I think I mentioned before to you, um, I went to the farm. So um, it's a high-level uh, interagency uh, train uh, school environment. And um, while I was there, you know, I, I don't have a formal education. Uh, I stopped uh, with high school and – I came in right in the military when I was 17, and uh, I had uh, a couple of college classes under my belt, and that's the that's the extent of it. Um, so while while I was at this training, um, and a- uh, Amy's asking about what what's the farm. So Amy, uh, uh, within the interagency, uh, the CIA specifically, uh, to get trained in that type of, of thing is uh, the school uh, that they do that initially is called the farm. Um, so here I am. At- at the farm and uh and they scrutinize everything about you you know they know they learn everything about you while you're there and uh they challenge you in ways that you can't even imagine you're going to be challenged and they challenge your intellect they challenge your 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 morals your everything so uh, long story short you know one of our first big training events was uh you know me this this green beret this special ops you know black shadow warrior type guy uh inside this uh very uh very uh, formally educated environment. So I'm in a room with about yeah, 60 people, and it, it, it's a black tie event. And, uh, um, you know, my task was to meet uh, a stranger who I've never met before, and uh, I had to end up doing some certain things with him and getting some information from him that would uh, lead us to to be able to, to meet up again and, and make him want to meet up with me again, whether that's for coffee or dinner or whatever. We're just kind of building the relationship and building rapport. But uh, again, it was a complete stranger. I didn't know what the guy looked like. I just had a, a basic description, and uh, so I, I I came across this gentleman, uh, older older gentleman than I was, and uh, you know they 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 build that into the scenario on purpose to to give you a, a, a difficult challenge. And he had three master's degrees. He was very very well spoken. He was extremely knowledgeable in a lot of a lot of different subjects, you know, art and music and history and things like this, things that I wasn't necessarily familiar with. And the first thing out of his mouth was uh, a question about my formal education and my background. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And I got really nervous. And uh, I was like, well, how in the hell? I'm going to blow this before I even get started with it. Um, but I quickly fell back on – and this, t- this ties right into the communication. I quickly fell back on – uh, my life experiences and my worldly experiences, something that I know for a fact that I bring to the table. And and he had no interest in hearing about – because he already knew my background. He had no interest in hearing about you know shooting people in the face or, or war or, or things like this. And, and I think he, he, he partly expected me to jump right into that you know, and fall back on my – 20 years uh, in, in special operations, and uh, I didn't. I didn't even bring that up. Um, I talked about a small village in the Philippines, you know, when we were chasing uh, Abu Sabaya, uh, one, of the, one of the terrorists running around in uh, Mindanao there back when the uh, Burnhams were captured. Um, and I didn't talk about the gunfights. I didn't talk about the bad guys. I talked about uh, the, the village of Matarling down on the island of Basilan, which is a Christian village. Uh, surrounded by Muslim villages and how they were ostracized and, and separated uh, to the point that they didn't have running water for the last five years. So I focused on 
well, how do we get how do we get them running water? And we went and rebuilt a diesel pump and, and had a centrifuge put in, uh, ran three miles of uh, three inch water pipe behind actually behind water buffaloes and, and brought the village of Matarling water. And it's something they hadn't had in five years. And it's and we instantly gained a tremendous amount of rapport with the uh, the village mayor and, and, and the villagers. And, and we were the heroes of the day and they would do anything for us. Well, I was able to gain certain things from from doing that, and that's 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 what I articulated to this gentleman, and it was it blew him away, you know, the fact that I was able to do that, and I think that's a good example of being able to communicate, show you normal. I mean, show, show you're normal. I mean, and, it sounds and, and, crazy, but yeah, yeah, exactly. So you know, he was expecting me to talk about shoot him in the face stories, and it's, no, that's not that's not relevant here, right? You know, let's talk about communication and and my worldly experience well things that you had in and likely in common i mean there were must have been something that kind of triggered that and where you guys were um having that type of conversation and that's what's interesting is that there's a way to kind of bridge that gap too if you understand um how to apply that skill or expertise that you gained within the military or like in your case something you actually did and accomplished um in terms of a mission uh, that that relates specifically to the job. Exactly. That's where I think you're going to start hitting the the home yeah. run. It's kind of yeah. the holy grail because then they're going to be they're going to be able to relate with you better. Yeah, Scott? yeah. I mean, it, it blew him out of the water, and he yeah. and I, I, I reaped the accolades for it. So it was a uh, it was a success on on my end, and I got over being nervous with him and and intimidated because it was a it was a daunting task, you know, talking to this guy. He was. He knew a lot of stuff about a lot of different things that I had no clue about. <laughs> it's a great exercise, though. Oh yeah, yeah, it was awesome. Well, I, yeah. I think the fear is alive on both sides as well, right? So we're all, everybody wants to go back to their comfort zone and talk about those things to which they're comfortable talking about, obviously, in those areas of expertise that that they have. And and far too often, it's oil and water, right? Because they want to talk about X, we want to talk about Y, and there's no intersection between the two at all. But when you're able to do exactly what you did, Rudy, and and demystify and change, you know, to X point one instead of Y, and talk to them on their level. Um, you're killing preconceptions and, and misperceptions, most most importantly. Um, but then you're also identifying similarities with them, and you know people mm-hmm. like people like themselves. So yeah. as long as you're communicating to them on their level and and not worrying about what you want to portray, but what they need to hear, then exactly. you're selling yourself better. Yeah, exactly. And Amy, Amy brought up, Amy Sanchez joined us in the chat, and she brings up a very good point. Uh, learn the lingo of the industry. You know, uh, we were talking, uh, going back to my example, um, you know, uh, we were we were talking about uh, formal education and, and music and art, and I just didn't, you know, it, it was very difficult for me to relate to that, and I didn't know some of the some of the key terms and 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 although Amy's speaking towards a specific industry like the IT or or something like that um I, I think it still applies you know if, had I known that ahead of time going into it I could have done a little bit of research on my end and 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 gotten familiar with some of the terminology and uh and lingo 
And that's another, you know, one of the things I love about, you know, my background in, in Rudy, especially in, in SF, right? Um, mm-hmm. And not taken away from any conventional guys, but, you know, just the, the rehearsal atmosphere. People are blown away when I tell them how much we practice so that, you know, it, it, not to be corny, but when combat becomes routine because you, you've practiced and practiced and practiced and rehearsed and rehearsed and done your research and you're as prepared as you absolutely can be, that preparedness yeah. shows. And, and when you walk into that environment and, and you're you're a transitioning IT military person and you go to um, – and you, you're transitioning into the civilian sector and you want to be a civilian IT contractor or a, or a personnel worker. Um, knowing that lingo, knowing that terminology and that rehearsal and preparedness and just understanding that operational environment and having the yep. situational awareness to, to thrive, that's, that's what makes you look way better than your competitors or the others in the marketplace. Yeah. Yeah, we always talk about those soft skills and those capabilities that we have. And, um, you know, I think a lot of uh, private sector companies know that we have that. And that's that tends to be as well those skills that they end up wanting to to bring us to their organization uh, or the reason why. Uh, But I think there's also um, I don't know when you go to some of the job fairs and everything, I really wish that there would be uh, additional opportunities than perhaps some of the ones that they um, present for the military because they seem to kind of put them within a pocket or they, mm-hmm. you know, a, a space in which they feel like um, this would be better suited because I really don't know what you guys do, but I know that you bring this to the table. So, you know, let me let me put you in this box. Uh, sometimes that's very successful. I know company um, X, so I won't mention the name, very large company, but for about 20 or 30 years brought folks in, uh, especially junior grade officers in order to be project managers um, that end up, you know, being taught Six Sigma and Lean uh, principles that really helped them uh, thrive within the organization. They eventually got in, uh, showed their their value and what they were bringing, and led themselves into executive positions. Um, but you would think too, though, that that would be a great representation of what was missed in the very beginning that could have been gained and actually utilized up front um, by other organizations today, since it's been going on for so long. Um, yeah, yeah. No, that's spot on, spot on. And it's, it's something else that goes uh, uh, along with that uh, that I don't think we've touched on yet is, is kinesthetics and body language and demeanor and, and, and the, the art of and, – and it truly is an art. You know, While you're communicating effectively, uh, your body language says a lot about you. you know, if you're daydreaming or, or, or thinking about something else, it's going to be physically visible – yeah. to the person that you're trying to communicate with. And if you're not dialed in and, and active listening and, 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 you know, practicing mirroring and, and things like this um, with, uh, with whoever you're speaking with or communicating with, it's, you're creating a, uh, an artificial barrier. Totally. I agree. And, and I think, I think sometimes really that body language, you can hone it and perfect it to work in your advantage. But it also, especially for military personnel and, and truly for combat veterans, mm-hmm. it works at an absolute disadvantage for you because far too often, you know, you've got the elevator rise and you're assessing threats yep, and you're clearing yep. corners of the rooms and, yep. and you're hyper aggressive and, you know, you got the knife hand or whatever. Yep. So, so sometimes, you know, we have to be self-aware and know who we are and what we're portraying and, and realize that that person on the other side is is viewing us externally that we have to know what we're putting out there and that hyper 
hypervigilance that we yep. all have as, as veterans, um, tone it down a notch. You know, yep. I mean, if you're walking to a job interview, I'm guessing it's not with Al Qaeda, so you probably aren't <laughs> going to get ambushed when you when you walk off the elevator. So <laughs> tone it down and understand yep. where you are. I used to struggle with that. My wife would, uh, my wife used to get so pissed off because I'd even going to the grocery store, you know, to get something. I'm, I'm moving out, you know, I'm stepping, boom, boom, boom. I'm on a mission and I'm going in there to get the milk. And she's like, hey, tone it down a notch, man. You know, we're not, uh, nobody's, gonna, nobody's trying to kill you right now. <laughs> You know, the other thing, too, though, is you just don't want to sit there and look all stoic. Um, you yeah. know, you've got to be somebody that's actually showing that you're listening, um, you're interactive, and, and you're talking about those responses. I mean, it's about giving the right type of, um, you know, communication through body language. It, it's showing that there is an interest. It's maybe, listen, you know, leaning forward. It's smiling often. It's, you know, smiling, exactly. blinking, yeah. you know, smiling something more, as yeah. simple as blinking, you know, and not looking like you're frozen onto this, you know, the, the person. And I mean, there are so many aspects. And I thought that was a great point, uh, Rudy, as far as the non-communication and, and non-verbal, at least, um, communication I think a lot of people forget about that, and that's a that's a really big piece that I know a lot of recruiters and human resources personnel are are very well versed on. Uh, oh yeah, is reading an individual that way. Well, Amy in the chat room just said you're know, mastering small talk because another thing, again, at our disadvantage, right, is that we want to get in there and get straight to the point. You know, so tell me about company X and tell me why I should work here and tell me this and tell me that and. You know, sometimes you just got to get to know the other person, and for them to know, especially if you're trying to get into a uh, a medium or senior position, right? You got to know whether you're a fit, and that you can be that manager, that you can be that leader, that you have the personality, that you have the character traits. So, um, I think the small talk point is fantastic. You know, go in there armed with information. You know, the the rule of fives, right? Like know five different things: of weather, sports, local events, current news, whatever, and just have a conversation with the guy because. They're judging you while you're talking, and if you can't have small talk and you can't just simply master the basics, then they're not going to want you on their team. Well, many times they ask uh, opening questions anyway, so they really want you to communicate. I mean, they want you to talk. Uh, it's the whole idea is they want to hear your story. They want to understand more about you and how you present yourself and whether or not you could present yourself to a certain level um, of leadership, you know, are you somebody that's very well versed that you could speak to executives or are you just, you know, speaking to managers or where do you fit within the organization based on not only what you have in the paper, but what you see, um, I see in front of me. So it, it, it spot on. I mean, I think those, uh, those things are definitely all important. So I, I think, you know, it goes from not just the resume. The resume is the piece that you've got to get in the front door, and you got to make sure that you put yourself on paper in a way that entices somebody to, and within three to ten seconds, to want to pick up the phone, smile and dial, and get you on there, and and do a phone interview, and and or get you in the office for an actual interview. If you get an actual interview, then I think that's where those nonverbal communication. Um, pieces are going to be so key and paramount. The ability for you to to speak um, openly, calmly, um, not you know raise your voice when you're talking about too much of stuff, especially your story, and if it relates to combat situations or in the in the military, you want to keep it you know again uh, very professional, low key, you know low key, and because uh, they're they're looking and evaluating you the whole time. 
Yep, absolutely. And you nailed it, though. You know, it's not only, but your resume is part of your nonverbal communication. You know, yeah, good it, point. It, everything, uh, you know, your suit or your dress or your skirt, your shoes, you know, your haircut, your, your whether you're shaved or not, everything about you, including that resume and that piece of paper and the email address. You know, when, when you're email, when you want to be the IT guy and it's hard charger sixty nine at Gmail is your email address. <laughs> or, you know, who a Ranger Bravo yeah, yeah. at Yahoo or something? You know, yeah, that, that all. Speaks speaks volumes about who you are and what you bring to the table. You know, and I know there's going to be some out there that go, well, you know, this is me and, you know, I'm not going to change. If they don't want me the way I am, come on, you got to, you got to, got to meet them halfway. Get over yourself. Exactly. Get over yourself. Yeah. That's a good point. I'll, I'll rock the boat a little bit with this one. Uh, so I think the burden of that responsibility and Robert, we talked about this briefly a while back. I think the burden of that responsibility lies on the person trying to get the job and or the person that's in transition i think the veteran or the active duty guy absolutely has to tailor himself and his deliverance of of the of whatever he's trying to communicate to that potential employer and and yes you know that's that's not saying that the employers you know uh, need to to get better at understanding the military and all this that that's true However, I think the burden of that, that that person that's in transition needs to carry the weight of that. That, that's, that responsibility lies with them. They're trying to get the job. Yeah. I agree. Absolutely. Um, in fact, I, I'm a huge John Acuff fan as well. He, he writes yeah. – he, he's very kind of sarcastic when he writes. And uh, he, he was laughing in his last book about saying, you know, how dare we not – how dare they not understand who we are? You know, they're only paying us <laughs> to show up every two weeks. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. the end, bottom line, right? And, yeah. and I love it, Rudy, you know, rocking the boat, right? I'll say it <laughs> plainly as I can. You're yeah. showing up and receiving a paycheck. You have to bring exactly. something to the table, you know? Exactly. Just because you serve 20, 30, 40, 60 years doesn't mean that somebody owes Absolutely. you a two-week paycheck and a six-figure salary. You're, you're plucking my heartstrings, Scott, because that's the next, that's my next thing I'm going to say is I can't stand it. And here's some, here's some clear advice for everyone tuning into this the the fact that guys need to get gang gals uh military members need to get off their high horse and 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 transition into into the business sector with a level of expectation uh you know hey i've served i've been to combat seven times etc etc you know who are they not to to appreciate me and what I've done? If it wasn't for me, then you know they wouldn't be doing what they're doing. It, it, that that right there upsets me quite a bit. And um, I see, unfortunately, I think we see that a lot. Yeah, uh, in the military. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, I think there's uh, for some, and and certainly we don't want to stereotype, but there are definitely some that thinks that there should be a sense of entitlement. Um, and so if I've got military on my resume, that it automatically means that I should be set aside and, um, evaluated differently. Um, I'm special. Uh, you know, I, I did go over there and serve my country. Um, so how dare you not consider my resume as one of the top five and evaluate me in an interview, you know? Uh, and, and even more importantly, if you've thrived in the military environment and you've achieved a certain rank either as a senior NCO or as an officer, you know, that entitlement belief is is very real. Your rank but doesn't follow you that, out. That it, yeah. It doesn't follow you <laughs> out, you know. But but I was an E eight. I was a I was a master sergeant, you know, and I was in line to <laughs> yeah. be sergeant major and I had, you know, hundreds of troops under my command and in my whim and you know, and, and they all had to wait for me for my first sergeant's meeting and whatever, right? So that doesn't translate over. Yeah, it, yeah. it just doesn't work the same way. 
Yeah. And, and you know, I think, it too, uh, I, I even ran across it uh, very early in my career. And thankfully, you know, I've been out long enough that I can actually have history within the workplace that they can evaluate now uh, leadership capabilities. But we all know that the military has very strong leaders. But the problem is, is that um, there is a stereotype out there that the leadership that we use is more of the old style 60s, 50s, you know, army where we're, we're telling somebody, go out there and dig me a ditch eight foot wide and 10 foot long. And then when you get yeah. done doing that, I want you to fill it back up again, that type of thing, because I use my rank and um, that's not true anymore. We all know that. I mean, there's yeah, a different yeah. style of leadership that has to be applied, um, you know, and, and there's a level of trust that goes both ways. And it's. It, it what you experience a lot within the military is also what you find within the private sector. But it's again, it's getting over that and demonstrating that you have a, uh, a type of leadership uh, that's going to be a lot more inclusive, that's going to allow other people to communicate. Uh, again, taking back into the communication, that's a hard thing that you're going to have to do within the interview process to demonstrate uh, that you can go in those types of manager or leadership roles. Mm hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and you don't have to, you know, and Amy brings up another good point. You don't have to stop being yourself, you know, but be a, be a more, uh, well-rounded, smarter version of yourself. Uh, you know, um, just like me, I, you know, that's something I struggled with. I'll, I'll use myself as an example. Uh, I used to, I used to be a hard ass, you know, I would, everything was the hypervigilance and mission focus and it didn't matter what it was. And it, it was, it was uh, quite a task to try to overcome that a little bit, you know. Oh yeah. And uh, and and Scott mentioned it earlier. You know, one of the my wife taught me right off the bat the the the, the easiest, most simplest way to to overcome that that initial barrier is to just smile. You know, just a, a simple smile instantly softens your approach. It softens who you are. Um, and and you could be you could be thinking whatever you want to think behind behind that smile, but uh, you know at least at least get that initial report going. I probably didn't help myself in the very beginning. I mean, I still had my high and tight flat top when I had hair back then, and uh, walked in the door. And as much as I wanted to smile, there was an image that was there, you know. So it, it didn't really matter. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I agree. But you know, we we forget, and you know, there's both sides of the coin there's nerves at play as well right i mean both both sides of the the conference table the interview room or or there's nerves at play so they're being serious because they have to project that they're the hr manager or the hiring manager or your potential boss or supervisor and you're trying to project supreme confidence and and be and embody all this on your resume you know like oh crap i i'm an airborne ranger on my resume i have to be an airborne ranger in this interview because that's what this guy wants to see and do but so then the nerves just again yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just confrontational in the room. And next thing you know, 10 minutes later, you're back in the hallway, no job, no paycheck. And wondering no what happened. That yeah. Company. Yeah. Wondering what yeah. happened. Definitely. Wondering what happened. And disgruntled. So again, <laughs> but that goes back to Amy's point as well. Just practicing interviews and, and knowing, you know, everything from that initial first impression of the handshake and your smile. And, you know, I, I have a standard operating procedure, SOP, for exactly how I meet people. You know, if I'm meeting someone in a business setting, I, I shake their hand in a submissive type handshake. After I shake their hand, I touch my heart. I repeat their name back to their name back to them. You know, I say my full name so I get their full name back in a network setting, you know. So then I rehearse and rehearse and rehearse it. And and some people go, 
that's crazy that you rehearse your first impressions. And I go, it's crazy that you don't rehearse your first impressions yeah, because, yeah. you know, we all know how important they are. And to me, it's, it's sacrilege that you wouldn't be as well prepared as possible going into that situation. It's funny sure. that you mentioned that, too, because I just picked up on something that Rudy and I talked about uh, earlier this week. And that is a, a form of communication or a big component or, uh, of uh of communication happens to be listening. And um, so, you know, Rudy and I talked about the active listener. And, you know, maybe this is a good time, Rudy, to kind of give the uh, <laughs> the spiel on uh, what you did back in the past and how you uh, really worked on becoming more of an active listener. It was something that um, uh, I didn't realize I was having a problem with, you know, because I, uh, I was I had become so used to being in charge and the decision maker and, and always making that, that tough call, you know, and, uh, it, it snuck up on me over the years and, and it took uh, a, a mentor of mine, uh, in, in another uh, environment that I was in, it took a mentor of mine that, you know, he kind of brought it out and say, Hey man, you're really struggling with, uh, with active listening. I'm like, what, you know, I was, I'm rocking this stuff. What are you talking about, man? But what'd you say? I didn't hear you. I said, yeah, exactly. And, uh, yeah, what did you say? I wasn't listening. Yeah. And, uh, I was just thinking of myself and how good I am. No, but, uh, it, it was, it was something that, you know, he said, well, Hey Rudy, check it out. You're going to, you're going to fail this course if, if we don't fix this, because it, it, this is another story from the farm. And, uh, you know, I'd went in and, and usually it's a lot of, uh, younger, uh, college graduates and, and, and just younger people in general. And I was a more, I was an older dude. I was, uh, what, 35, 36 at the time, uh, going through and uh, had a lot of experience under my belt and that, those types of operations and things like that. But when I, whenever I would meet someone in role uh, to practice what, what we were learning there, I would be so agenda focused and, and I would, that I would miss, you know, if that conversation didn't flow exactly how I planned it or exactly how I rehearsed it, I would make damn sure that it's staying on track and I, I would make sure that, you know, hey, this is going to end how I want it to end because I'm the guy in charge. But I was missing some very subtle yet very important critical cues, whether it was body language or or something that he said. It could have been a single word or or a sigh or a roll of the eye or him glancing at his watch indicating, hey, I'm in, I'm in a time crunch here. I was missing some, some very subtle uh, communications and it was because I was not active listening. So I think that my point is, I think that's extremely important that, yeah. that anybody transitioning, looking, you know, looking to, to change their environment, looking for a job, uh, talking to an employer interview, they need to realize that. And, and yes, you can rehearse and come up with a plan and, and, but you can't plan for everything and you need to remain flexible and you have to, to let it flow and you have to truly, be listening to what the other person's saying. You have to actually give a crap. And if you don't, it it will show. It will come through. You know, it's funny. I threw you under the bus, but the reality <laughs> is uh, <laughs> the conversation was actually uh, towards me because I that's something I always have to work on. And I mentioned to Rudy, I said, you know, in an interview process, a lot of times, uh, even if I was the person as the interviewer, I would sit down and write little notes as, as you were talking, Rudy, or as you were talking, Scott, I'd been jotting down things of how I could then bring that back around later on when it came to my question time or, you know, if I was the interviewee. Um, mm -hmm. you know, that I could bring that back up and go, okay, you know, well, you mentioned that, uh, you know, you guys have X and it just so happens that, you know, it, 
it was again being that active listener. Uh, but that's a skill set that you actually have to continue uh, continually work on. It's not something you do yes. one time and then you're one and done. I mean, you got to yes, keep doing. Yes, you have that. to practice. You definitely have to practice. One of the techniques was, uh, you know, quietly without without moving your lips uh, as that other person's talking. You know, one one of the things that that they taught me was. Uh, repeat everything that the guy's saying, repeat it in your head, you know, and, and that'll help you stay focused. Um, especially if somebody's struggling with ADHD or, you know, they have a, a disorder of some type where it's, it's hard to focus. Um, that's a, that's a very easy technique to practice and, uh, it's quite easy to do. I used to tell my Marines all the time that watching them interact, you know, is, is type A guys and, you know, I hate the word operators, but as operators um, with civilians was painful because it often looked to me as an outsider like they were playing chess against themselves in their head, you know, like knight to yeah. rook six and bishop yeah, yeah, yeah. to whatever. Like, and they just, <laughs> they have this look of intense concentration and right. just fear <laughs> on their face when they're trying to to be humble and, and, and active listen. And I'm going, guys, just... It's the same thing with your your wife or your kids or your spouse or your partner or whatever you know you want to throw out there. It's it's the same thing as dating. Just listen, you know, listen yeah. and ha- be interested in the conversation, be present in the conversation, and and that's as simple as I could make it. And don't just don't overcomplicate it. We used to have little signs that we uh, our former company uh, had us put around the room to um, actually we were trying to change the culture. So the whole thing was about be here now. But, you know, it's it's really about that. It's be in the moment. Um, make mm-hmm. sure that you're there and present, not only um, in, you know, physical sense, but that you're there mentally and you're checked in. You're actually participating in the conversation. Um, you're being an active listener as well as a communicator. So, sure. I, I mean, I, I think that's all part of the communication piece of it and learning it. And, and a technique that you can always use is there's, you know, nowadays we have uh, cameras on our phones and uh, you know, you got GoPros and everything else that are out there that you can go and purchase. You can set those things up on a tripod or lean up against a pillow and just talk to it and act as though you're talking to another human being and um, carrying on a conversation. Um, act as though someone asked you a question of a certain thing, even if you're looking at it in notes on a piece of paper, and then glance back up at the um, camera and answer the question. Uh, practicing your car as you're driving down the road, all of these things help you get more, you know, mentally prepared. I can't yeah. tell you how many times I've gone to uh, meetings and the whole way in my car, I'm just talking as if I'm talking to that person. Like, ah, sure. geez, I don't like that response. Let me back up and say it again in a different yeah, way, yeah. you know. Yeah, another another easy easy thing to do is we're surrounded by people. Unless you live out in the Arctic by yourself, you know, or you're homesteading by yourself, uh, you can generally run into someone on the street, you know, whether it's going to the store or walking out to your car or coming out of your apartment or whatever. And and it something that I had to learn how to do was was actually open myself up a little bit, which I felt a little vulnerable initially. But uh, I would imagine a lot of of the military folks struggle with this. You know, be friendly. Just start a conversation with with a complete stranger. You could be standing in the grocery line, you know, crack a joke about uh, something you bought or something they bought or whatever. You know, be nice about it, but but start up a conversation with them, you know. And that's a good way to practice just being comfortable and and talking, you know, outside of that that military environment. Because I I struggle with that. I didn't I didn't do that a lot, you know. I I would go to the store for whatever reason and. I was on a mission, man. I'm, boom, go in the store. I know exactly what I'm getting. I know where I'm going. I'm going to grab it and move out. You know, and that's not a good way to uh, relate to people. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, most definitely. I mean, there are organizations that are definitely out there. Um, and if you're living in Australia, I know there's a kinder group that's out there uh, as well that uh, <laughs> yep. does this yep. kind of stuff. But <laughs> sorry, yeah. just guys are trying to. No, no, no. I mean, I, it's spot on. I mean, there are organizations out there. There are training classes that you can take. And I know a lot of times in the transition assistance programs, they run through different types of interview setups and they talk about communication. But these are skills or things that you need to work on by yourself on the outside that you don't have to wait to go to that these are you know people talk about how did that person actually transition out of the military did they do it well and some people struggle and the reason why they struggle is because of what we're just talking about right here yeah exactly exactly but it just, again, yeah. you know i'll keep going back to it but it's just being self-aware um you, you just and you know when you go through the tuition um, transition assistance program or you're going to practice or whatever if you're not comfortable in telling that other person when you're practicing what it is you need to practice um in guiding the conversations and being self-aware and say I'm not a good listener. So when you see me check out of the conversation or when you see me check my iPhone or BlackBerry or Android device or whatever, tell me to stop doing that because it, you know, with, with digital media where we constantly check out of conversations now and it's, it's incredibly rude to the person on the other side of the table. But you know, just have people help you and tell them what you need help in. And it's amazing the tips and guidance that you'll get just by – being self-aware. Oh boy, yeah. you just hit on something. I mean, you know, now in the digital media world and everything and, you know, instant gratification and the whole bit, you're talking about cell phones and stuff. It's crazy how much uh, folks today don't want to pick up the phone and call somebody. They'd rather text or email them. So, I mean, I get that there may be companies and organizations that are you know comfortable with that, but it goes a long way when you write a personal note or when you communicate uh, through the phone as opposed to via text and email alone. Um, again, it gives you that opportunity that that person can get to know you better. I mean, that's a. I mean, you mentioned it, Scott, but I mean that's a big thing, uh, especially in today's society with all of these gadgets that we have around us all the yeah. time. Yeah, it's very impersonal, and we need to, to personalize those relationships and, and, and get away from the impersonality of communication and make it more personal. That's, that's absolutely critical. And, um, you know, I, I just get on my kids all the time. They're staring at their phone the whole time, staring at their phone, walking around. You know, it's like, hey, man, life's going on around you, dude. <laughs> You've probably seen the video that's out there of, a, I think it was four uh, girls that were watching a baseball game, and the actual um, announcers were, uh, the television announcers were, had the camera on them, and the whole game, there was a home run hit and everything else, and they're all four taking selfies and texting yeah. and, and the whole thing. And uh, But that is our society today. That is a lot of the... Um, you know, generation that kind of does that. It, again, it goes a long ways whenever I would, you know, as a hiring manager, receive a handwritten letter or note or something that was actually mailed to me through the post office and I'd get it with a stamp on it would be like, wow, they really took the time to do something like that. You know, yeah, it, yeah. communication, uh, you're speaking, you know, we were talking about um, nonverbal, but sometimes your actions and the things that you do speak louder than what you say. Um, so and again, that handwritten note is yet another sign of nonverbal communication. You know, mm -hmm. everything that you're doing is is a representation of who you are and what you bring to the table. And you can either make that impersonal and cold, or you can make that warm and personal. It's your choice. Well, you know, I I've created so many positions um, that has been based off an interview. You know, I'd interviewed Scott uh, Kinder and I, after the interview, I go, gosh, you know, Scott just was not a fit for this position, but I could really see where Scott could help me. You doing A, B, and C. I don't know if he would be interested in that, but 
Um, I can definitely see that's a need within the organization. And, uh, you know, I may end up giving Scott a call back or there may be another position that I know where somebody's already uh, considering leaving the company, has put in their notice. I haven't been able to work with HR to actually um, announce that position at that time, but I know that Scott might be a great fit. You certainly want to give an impression that if it doesn't work for this job, it could be something that works for something in the future. And again, that communication, that connection that you made, um, the way you listened, um, all of those things are, are key components of it. Yeah, spot on, spot on. I there's agree. a lot of uh, there's a lot of resources, and I know Scott didn't come on here to plug Kinder Group, um, but I'll plug it. You know, there's a lot of great organizations that focus on on this kind of the skill set, if you if you want to call it a skill set, you know, um, the bottom line though is is you know you can you can go out and, and spend money and do and, and, and accomplish that type of training and learn about these things, but there's a lot there's a tremendous amount of free ways to do it too, you know if guys are, are limited with their finances and 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 struggling with that aspect of it, you know, some of the other things we mentioned, smile more, uh, stop somebody in the in the shopping line and just say hello, get to know them. Um, you know, you can create a goal for yourself that they don't need to know about. Say, hey, I want to get uh, five people's uh, – five complete strangers' names today. You know, and, and you, once you start practicing that, um, you'll become more uh, approachable and be more uh, open, and, and that will also carry through with your body language. And and my wife used to tell me that I had a, a, a dark bubble around me, you know, and, and it, it was it was visible and that people could feel it and people could see it. And, you know, and I kind of liked it back then. I was like, oh, great. He's doing the <laughs> jacket. You know, I'm a, a hard target, as we call it in the military. Oh, you got to you got to soften yourself up a little bit. So, you know, I was like, yeah, you know, it started making sense to me, you know, a little bit more mature uh, and older I got. And uh, it's something I wished I would have done a lot earlier in my life. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, guys, I, I certainly appreciate you guys taking the time. I think this has been a great show and talking about communication and the importance of that. And there are a lot of pieces, I think, that we covered. Um, you know, we talked about the resume. We talked about the interview. We talked about nonverbal communications as well as listening skills and verbal communications. We talked about, uh, you know, how you can go out and evaluate the industry that you're going into and making sure that you're you're speaking their lingo and you understand what it is that they um, are capable of doing. And then you add that uh, or you figure out ways that you're going to add value to that organization and practice with family, practice in front of a camera, practice, 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 communicating in a way that you come across uh, you know, it, it, presenting yourself the way you'd want to present yourself for one, but also that gives you the best foot forward in getting that position uh, that you're seeking. So again, guys, I appreciate it very much. And thanks for those that were listening in and uh, we'll have another one of these coming up in the next week or so. So, and, and lose the jargon, lose the <laughs> jargon. Lose jargon. <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much. Yep. Good show, Robert. Thanks, thanks buddy. Guys.